The decision hasn't come lightly. I mean, I have, for the sort of last 10 years, wanted this. Worth every shot with Yaz. I kind of did hope that in my 30s I might meet somebody, but it hasn't worked out that way for me. Hi Yas here and if you have been following my journey up to this point you'll know I am still on that journey to become a mum and we'll just keep throwing everything at it for as long as I can. Now one thing I have changed ever so slightly is my diet and well on this episode we're going to be talking all about nutrition when it comes to fertility so please welcome on to Worth Every Shot nutritional therapist and fertility specialist Julia Young. Welcome Julia. Thank you. Yes, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Now, first of all, what kind of made you decide to become a nutritional therapist? Um, probably, which is common for many nutritional therapists, probably to do with my health history. So um, back in my 20s, I wasn't very healthy. I had quite a poor diet. Um, I was focusing very much on weight loss. I didn't have lots of weight to lose, but I was very determined to lose weight. So I did the whole of no fat low fat diet um exercising a lot um, quite a lot of stress going on in my life and i was also on on uh, taking the contraceptive pill at the same time and then when i when i came off it uh, my periods didn't return um which is known as amenorrhea and i had this um so i had no periods um and this went on for i mean it's linked to my fertility story but um this went on for years and years and it's really only after i changed my diet put the nutrients back in that were missing so I saying good quality supplements that my periods returned and since after seven years no periods and I was absolutely outstanding that outstanding that you know that diet and nutrition could do this and that's really what inspired me to go on and train and be a nutritional therapist so I thought wow the power of nutrition if it can you know help to bring periods back then this is something worth learning and so, so why did you sort of decide to sort of concentrate quite a bit on on the fertility side of things then so, um, yeah, basically because I went through fertility struggles myself. So um, when I came off the pill, it was to try and start for a family. And I knew that, you know, if we weren't having periods, I wasn't going to get pregnant naturally. So we went down the whole route of doing some investigations. Of kind of nothing was um, picked up other than at one point I was diagnosed with borderline polycystic ovarian syndrome. So I knew that was going on. Um, and then we did the whole, we did... Um, I started taking Clomid and we did assisted conception and that, no success there. We did IUI, we did IVF round after round. We unfortunately suffered a miscarriage um, and, and eventually it worked. We did, we did more IUI and it did eventually work and I got pregnant and I had a baby. And then we went, started trying for the second one and we knew again, again, my periods hadn't returned. So we had to go through fertility treatment again. We went through IVF um, and again, it did eventually work and I was lucky and had my my second child. Um, but really, I always knew when I was studying nutrition, I always knew at the back of my mind that fertility was the area I wanted to focus on because I've had this thing that I've always thought about and I still think about now. I think if I changed my diet and my lifestyle back then when we were trying, could we have avoided all this heartache, the amount of money we paid for IVF, the, the stress we went through, you know, it, all the difficult times could that maybe a bit been avoided if I'd worked on my health first so I really that made me really think I want to go on and help others you know I completely have the empathy of what it's like to go through this and to struggle and and not achieve what you really want in life and I just thought I you know I want to really help as many people as I can to have their their dream family. 
that's it. Like you say, you, you can empathise rather than just even sympathise. You can actually, you can, you've been mm. there yourself and made those changes. So, so yeah, let's reiterate how important is sort of nutrition when it comes to your fertility journey? Because it sounds to me like it's really, and I'd never really thought about this before either. You know, I never thought about what I was putting into my body was going to have any sort of maybe detrimental effect to my sort yeah, of, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, same, same for me. I, oh God, I wish I knew then what I know now. Um, it's really important. I mean, what you eat basically affects every cell in your body. So, you know, when you, when you have that meal, it's either going to have a positive or a negative effect on your health. And that sounds quite dramatic, but it, it really is true. You know, we need to think of food as nutrients because that, that's what it contains. And our fertility is very, it's, you know, it's linked to our health. It's linked to egg quality and sperm quality um so it's you know it, it's really important that we're getting in the nutrients that are needed to you know to create f- f- right down to the cellular level so that we can um support our nutrition have the best quality eggs that we have and the best quality sperm so yeah it, it can go kind of either way but it, it has it plays a really important role so what are the advantages of maybe like going sort of organic when it comes to fertility um yeah so that's a bit that's a big question it, it comes up a lot I mean it, it's something I do talk about with my clients and I do say um you know if possible you know go for organic fruit and vegetables and organic meat and things like that but I know there's um and it, you know it can be more more expensive if you if you opt those sort of nutrients but um basically organic food contains fewer pesticides um, and it's the pesticides, the herbicides that can impact the egg and the sperm quality. Um, Organic food tends to be much higher in nutrients as well, um, higher in vitamins and minerals. Um, And also if you're looking at say meat, for example, some of the, some of the meat, some of the chicken and things like that, they're, they're pumped full of hormones as well, which we don't want to be adding to our, you know, into our body. We, we want them to be hormone free. So, um, it's really important that where we can and where it's affordable, we do opt for organic. Um, and what's quite nice is there's a there's an organisation called the Environmental Working Group, and they produce every year they produce something called the Clean Fifteen and the Dirty Dozen. I don't know if you've heard of it, no. but it's a um, it's a basically a list of um, the foods from that year that are more heavily affected by pe- sprays and pesticides and those that aren't. So if you think of fruits and vegetables for example that have thick skin so think maybe a banana or a pineapple they're Mm. fairly protected from pesticides whereas um things like strawberries spinach that they can be you know quite contain quite heavily pesticides so if you can then focus on the dirty dozen when you're going for organic and the clean 15 it's not so important that's quite a good rule of thumb um for what you're going for but always i say if, if you can go organic then then do um and there was some interesting actually research actually um, that was that was done. Um, it was a peer review study, um, and it looked at pesticide levels in four American families mm-hmm. um, over six days. So it's not. I mean, it's not a huge, robust survey, and it, it was. Um, but it looked at um, that some of the families were on a non-organic diet, um, and some were on a completely organic diet. And they found that um, those that were on the organic diet, their exposure to pesticides was reduced by over sixty percent. Um, so it just goes to show you don't actually know, you know, necessarily what's in it, but where you can making that swap can, can be a really good, good, good thing to do. Yes. Yeah, so it is like knowledge is power. And you mentioned sort of pineapple there. And I know that like a lot of people have 
honestly, our fertility journey, our, you know, they the, 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 do eat a lot of pie. I mean, it's, I think it's the emblem of fertility and whatnot as well. Pineapples maybe yeah. a good way to go as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it can be. There's there's enzymes in pineapple which which should be known to support fertility, and, and it's really it's a really good food for digestive support as well because it can really help your gut. So yeah, I'm all having for it's quite a high sugar food, so we need to be a little bit careful. But it's there's some, the good stuff in, in the enzymes in the pineapple can be really effective as well. So it's it's a nice one to include. Well, let's talk about sugar. How much of an impact can that have on our fertility? Um, yeah, I don't like to be the bearer of bad news, but it, it can be quite impactful. Um, I mean, we probably all know that sugar can lead to weight gain. And we know that um, if, we, if we have a higher BMI, that can affect our fertility. And certainly if you're going for fertility treatment, you know, you have to have your BMI um, under 30 to be able to be to, to go through treatment because of just the increased risk of complications. And then in pregnancy, if we're overweight or obese, again, there's, there's a higher risk of complications. So um, for the sheer fact that sugar can lead to weight gain, it, that's an important one to remember. But also it's it's quite an inflammatory um, food as well. Sugary foods are inflammatory. So they can, again, impact the, the health of the egg and the sperm. And also to think about if we're having a lot of sugar in our diet, um, our blood sugar, our blood glucose can become quite unregulated. And blood sugar that's not in control can impact ovulation. So it can actually impact how we're ovulating it can impact the number of eggs that we produce. So particularly around, you know, if we're going through fertility treatment and it can, as I said, it can impact the, the egg quality as well. And if you're someone with um, polycystic ovarian syndrome, it can make polypical symptoms worse as well. Um, and it affects IVF success. So um, again, it's, it's, you know, I'm not saying you mustn't have any sugar at all, but it's looking at your diet and thinking, you know, where is the sugar coming in? You know, hidden sugars are a big thing these days, looking at labels and seeing where we can reduce that intake a little bit. That's it. It's just making like small, even small changes, because I know that like, you know, we try and make small changes anyway when we're on that kind of journey. We're, you know, maybe trying to mm. relax more, get more sleep and whatnot. And it is really important, like you say, to think about what we're actually putting into our bodies and, and food intake and like even down to caffeine and whatnot. You know, some people have changed and they're going to decaf or whatever mm-hmm. it is, they're just making sort of changes. I mean, you mentioned there and you'd mentioned before about uh, polycystic ovary uh, syndrome. What are kind of some of the foods that would maybe help certain fertility conditions like that, for example? Yeah, so PCOS is a really good one, really good example of, of a condition that responds really well to diet and lifestyle, really well. Um, and Generally, in terms of what we can do, I mean, in terms of fertility in general, general, I, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's very much personalised the way I work. I don't advocate any particular diets, but I'm really pro the Mediterranean way of eating. Um, and that's all about um, eating. The, actually, the, it's kind of, there's a triangle that describes it and it talks about, you know, the bottom rung, which is the, the large, large rung. You should be doing more of this and right at the top where it's narrow, you should be doing less. And actually, interestingly, at right at the bottom of the Mediterranean way of life is actually being sociable movement um eating your meals with family and friends and sort of taking your time over food so rather than actually be, be specific nutrition it's about kind of your way of life um I mean, i thought that's quite an interesting one and then on top of that you know vegetables are really really good one for supporting pcos so you know they're packed with fiber lots of vitamins lots of minerals and they help to um, improve insulin levels which is often a driver for PCOS they can help lower inflammation and they can help in, enhance their quality so I do bang on about vegetables but they really do they are kind of 
you know, they do have superpowers. Um, and then, you know, fiber, which we, we get a lot from of the vegetables and the nuts and seeds and things like that. Again, they can help to lower insulin. Um, in women um, with PCOS, they can help to lower testosterone levels and they tend to be um, elevated in women with PCOS. Um, and, and they can also, the fiber can help regulate menstrual cycle, which is really important because often women with PCOS have longer or irregular cycles as well, or, or maybe not even a cycle at all. Um, and then it's things like including um, good quality protein in the diet. So things like eggs, you know, lean meats, plenty of plant proteins and good quality fat. So, you know, often the, a lot of the people I talk to, they're, they're scared of fat. You know, for years we've been told that fat is bad and we shouldn't be having it. But we, we do need to embrace the fats. They're really important for um, hormone production. They're, they're important for helping us to absorb some of our nutrients as well, some of our vitamins. So things like olive oil, oil is amazing. And that's, you know, that's predominant in the Mediterranean diet. Again, nuts and seeds, really good. Um, and then things like including herbs and spices in our cooking, um, something, again, people might not think of so much, but they can be very anti-inflammatory and they can help to regulate our blood sugar levels. So things like cinnamon and turmeric and ginger are wonderful spices to include. Um, and then one that, again, that maybe people don't hear so much is um, drinking spe uh, spearmint tea. So there's actually research that says that, you know, I think it's two cups a day of spearmint tea can help lower testosterone le levels in women with PCOS. So again, that's a, another good one that you can add to your diet to help things along. That's it. And I've heard people like do like a lot of juicing and stuff and you're trying to get the, sort of a, a load of fruit and veg into their diet. And if, if, if people are not doing that and they're taking supplements, is, is that okay? Is that, you know, is that, is that just as good? So, so my mantra with supplements is, for, is always food first. So um, food is great because the body takes what it needs from it. So, you know, it will take the just the right amount of vitamins and minerals that it needs. Um, but you can't out supplement a bad diet. So if you're having all the takeaways, processed foods and you're thinking it's, it's OK, I'm taking a, a fertility multivitamin, that that's not the way it goes. You need to be getting in the good nutrients. Otherwise, you're kind of just wasting your money on, on putting supplements on top of that. So if your diet's looking good, I do think there is a place for supplements because um, our soils aren't what they used to be. They're quite depleted now. We don't get the same level of magnesium and other nutrients in our soils these days, which means that our fruit and veg is not as rich in the nutrients as, as they used to be. Often they're shipped from, you know, or flown over from miles away, so they're just not as nutritious. So quite often we do need those extra nutrients um, in supplement form um to support fertility. I mean, we've all heard that folic acid or folate is really important for reducing um, neural tube defects in the baby and that should be taking you know three months before minimum that you're starting to try but there's lots of other nutrients that you'll get in a you know good quality um, nutritional supplement that are really important just to top up those levels that we need and if it, you know if someone is struggling to conceive it could be that they are depleted in nutrients um, so again that's where supplements do play a role but it they vary so much. I mean, if anyone's been into the supermarkets or a health store, there are just so many to choose from and it can be quite overwhelming. And it's important to go for the, the good quality supplements. Sometimes they may cost a little bit more, but actually you're getting more bang for your buck in the long term anyway. And just making sure that you really are working with someone that knows what they're talking about when it comes to supplements. Because often people will read books and go, oh, that's, you know, that's supposed to be good or that's good. And they'll kind of buy you know get them all and I have people coming to me with a huge shopping list of supplements they're taking and sometimes actually it's not necessarily more is better 
And sometimes we'll look at it all and we'll actually strip it down and say, look, you, you don't need all of this because your liver has to process all these supplements you're taking. So, you know, sometimes it's better just to look at what, you know, the core things you are that you, that you need and, and go from there, really. So yes to supplements, but but make sure that that diet is looking good first. I'm glad you, you said, uh, you know, you get uh, we're bang for your buck because I did spend a bit of silly money on uh, supplements recently, actually. So uh, and, th- and I was thinking, are they better than that? You know, because you can get cheaper alternatives and whatnot. Yeah. And I, I was kind of wondering, you know, because I went down the is it Zeta West route. I'd, I'd never okay. I'd never heard of Zeta West until uh, a couple of weeks ago. Somebody at work could sort of uh, she was talking about the, her book and I didn't realise and I just went ahead and bought the supplements and she she said no I just meant you to buy the book but there is um, she goes on about it she was talking to me again about nutrition and, and a lot of the, what you're saying today really is I'm, I'm just sort of been re- reminiscing about a conversation I had with somebody at work uh, and she juices and whatnot and she was saying yeah exactly what you're saying about the the environment you really need to you know you were talking about the sugar and, and whatnot can really affect the environment as well not 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 just egg quality but the and and sperm quality but also the environment where mm-hmm. it all you know it all happens but I was also having a look at your Instagram uh, Julia Young nutrition and and um, you actually cover bacterial vaginosis and I know some women might have a problem with this especially sort of recurring BV mm. how can this affect fertility yeah it's a really tricky one because many of the people I see are completely asymptomatic so they don't have any symptoms at all um but some people do and you know if you you want to look out for it it's things like um having a watery discharge or it could be um a slight fishy smell to it or gray or there could be a, a a burning sensation or itching in the vaginal area so it's important to look out for symptoms but we don't want to have BV because it's associated with preterm birth. So it's definitely something we don't want in pregnancy and we don't want it beforehand as well. And there is an increased risk carry, uh, miscarriage risk in women with BV as well. Um, so it's really important that we, uh, you know, support reducing BV, BV bacteria. The problem is, you know, the often people do, do take antibiotics to try and treat it. But um, these sort of what we call pathogenic bacteria are actually very clever. And then what they do is they form what's called biofilms around themselves. So it's almost like a protective barrier where, because they obviously they want to be there, that these, this bacteria doesn't want to be taken away. And this protective bacteria makes it harder for the antibiotics to target them. So often people will take antibiotics, maybe symptoms will get better or they think it's gone and then it can quite easily come back again. Um, so I, you know, work with my clients where possible on a more natural approach, um, which is, you know, supporting the good bacteria in the vagina, which is really important um, and trying to crowd out the bad bacteria. And then that way, hopefully the, the BV um, goes away and stays away. But what's I mean, the vaginal microbiome, which is the the trillions of bacteria that reside there in, in the vagina is, is a really important one when it comes to fertility. And it's quite, quite a new area. Um but it, recently, um, Tommy's, the, the miscarriage um, charity, they did some research on it and they were looking at um, women that have suffered from miscarriage and they were looking at where the, where the cause was not genetic. What they found was they did some vaginal microbiome testing and they found that all these women where the, the um, root cause necessary wasn't genetic, they had low levels of the lactobacillus bacteria in the vagina, which is the good bacteria, which I thought was really interesting because it goes to show that it does uh, play a role. And it's really important that there aren't any bacteria there that could be associated with fertility challenges. Um, so it's a, it's an important one to term and you can do 
tests for for BV. I have access to a very comprehensive test that I do with all my female clients, which looks at the bacteria in the, in the vagina. But it's a really important one to check because there could be something going on there that we're just unaware of, but it could be affecting our fertility. Yeah, it's just definitely something to think about, and just another factor you know, of you know, why things might not be be working for you. Mm, absolutely. It, and some people have read it started with an egg and it does kind of really go on about external factors and how they can affect our fertility, like plastics and sort of certain chemicals. Have you any sort of hacks when it comes to plastic, for, for example? Yeah, it's a really important one. Um, and sometimes it's it's something that people don't think about so much. And it's important for both, you know, egg and sperm health. And it's it's, you know, lots of chemicals like the BPA chemicals that we get in plastics. They can, um, they're, they're often known as, endocrine disrupting chemicals so they can disrupt hormone function and they can actually change how our how our our hormone levels and how our hormones function they can even change our menstrual cycles they can do things like reduce pregnancy rates increase miscarriage risk so it is actually worth doing you know looking at these and looking at our exposure Um, and it doesn't just affect the eggs but also sperm you know research has shown that men's basically sperm health has decreased over the last 50 years and you know, the, the plastics and things like that in the environment, our chemicals have increased. And that's one of the reasons um, researchers are thinking is, is down to environmental factors. But it's also an area not to freak out about because there are chemicals everywhere. There's pollution. You know, if we try to live in a bubble and, and just have no exposure at all, it would just be completely impossible. So it's about making, you know, small, simple swaps that we can do. So in terms of the plastics, it's things like if you're drinking water or drinks from a plastic bottle, can you swap to stainless steel or glass? Um, if you're, you know, going to a coffee shop and getting a, a takeaway drink, before you drink it, remove the plastic lid so you're not drinking through the plastic and the, the heat is, you know, getting the exposure from the chemicals that way. Um, when you're storing your food, can you swap from sort of plastic Tupperware or storage pots to glass storage? And if you're drinking a drink from a straw, can you swap to paper or, or a metal straw? So it's little things like that, change that you can make. And, and you know, other areas in the environment that really, in the long term, again, can have a, a positive impact on, on egg and sperm health. It's funny you say that because I, I have been making like little changes. Somebody bought me a coffee yesterday from um, from a, a local coffee shop and I did it to the plastic lid off. I just thought, thought you know, it was fresh in my head. Yeah. And I thought, right, I'm going to do just making those small. Didn't like the taste. I don't like the taste anyway when it comes to the plastic. It doesn't really exactly. taste yeah. that nice anyway. But So can you share some of your success stories with us, Julia? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, a couple that I'm thinking about. So it's, um, a couple that were trying to conceive for for about 18 months um, and they conceived naturally, but sadly had a miscarriage around six and a half weeks. Um, and then they went on to try and conceive naturally and they just didn't get pregnant again. And they had that really annoying diagnosis, diagnosis of unexplained infertility, which to me, I don't I don't see that as a diagnosis. I just see that as we don't know the reasons behind it yet i mean it can be very frustrating for people if they're told they have unexplained infertility um so they came to me and um we worked together and we did quite a lot of testing with this couple actually um and on both sides and on her side um 
it was identified that she had an underactive thyroid, which she was completely unaware of. I mean, she had some of the symptoms, but she had no no idea of this. And um, a thyroid that's not functioning properly can be associated with miscarriage risk. So it's really important that that's an area that's tested and 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 you know supported if that is an issue. So we worked um, on supporting her thyroid with lots of nutrients, um, making some dietary changes that, that needed to be changed. Um, and then she also did a vaginal microbiome test and it revealed quite a lot of bacteria that's associated with fertility challenges and also bacteria that can be passed back and forth through sexual activity. So that led me to go and you know look on the male side as well, which I always do, which is really important. And he had um, his semen analysis showed low morphology. Um, so that was something we need to look at. But we always need to look at the root cause, you know, what's driving this. Um, and what a semen analysis will, will tell you, will tell you, yes, the, the the shape of the sperm, how they're moving, how quickly they're moving, how many are there. But what it won't tell you is what the sperm are like inside. So the actual DNA of the sperm. So he went on to do what's called a DNA fragmentation test. And it came back showing there's there was high levels of DNA damage. Um, and also through through seeing a urologist, um, they um, identified a varicocele, which is or a few varicoceles actually, which are um, they're a bit like varicose veins on the testicles. Sometimes they're quite obvious, and other times again you can be completely unaware that you have them. But they produce heat, so they can damage sperm. So he had quite a lot going on as well. And, and it's important to know that quite often when people come to me, they'll say, "Oh, it's it's you know it's down to me. It's potentially the female side or it's the male side." Quite often it can be both the things going on in both areas that are, that are causing the, the infertility. Um, so we worked on, on him as well. Um, they did need IVF, but the good news was that they, they did their first cycle. Uh, they got, uh, you know, quite a few really good quality embryos. One was put back in positive pregnancy test. <sighs> I think she's due to give birth, I think, within the next few weeks now. Brilliant. Um, and they've got, you know, a few good quality embryos sitting there in the freezer. So a really, really lovely story. And they, you know, they worked really hard with me. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's both sides. You, you have to put the work in as well. And they did. But they, you know, they had their, their happy ending in the end, which is lovely. That's it. I think it's just like, you know, getting to that point where you think you need you need a bit of help, you need a bit of guidance. And it's like you say, it's nice to find the root of what could be causing the problems. And then, you know, knowledge is power and then you work through those and then, well, there we go. Happy ending. That, that's yeah, brilliant. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, finally, Julia, how can people find out a little bit more about what you do? So, yeah, so I'm on Instagram. I think you mentioned it. Yeah. At Julia Young Nutrition. Um, I also my website is www.juliayoungnutrition.com. And if anyone's interesting, interested in hearing a little bit about more about me or interested in working with me, um, if you go on the website, I offer free 30 minute calls. So happy to talk about your fertility journey. I love talking to people about their situations and see if I can help. So I'm always there and you're welcome to book a call with me. Oh, that's great. So it's all the W's.juliayoungnutrition.com and then you're on Instagram as well, Julia Young Nutrition. It's been amazing chatting to you, it really has. And I've been taking notes for myself. So thank you so much again, <laughs> Julia, for joining me. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much to Julia Young for being my guest on this week's instalment. So much fantastic information to take on board there. And if you know anyone that would like to be my guest or maybe you have got your own fertility story you'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you. Just send me an email. Just send it to yaz at qradio.com. Worth every shot. 